Our first reading is from the 25th chapter of 1 Samuel. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell before David on her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, On me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow, Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand. Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall not be found in you so long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living, in the care of the Lord your God. In the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. When the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion, and blessed be you, who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. For as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there had not been left to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought him, and he said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his own head. Then David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to you to take you to him as his wife. And she rose 
and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michal, his daughter, David's wife, to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Galem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is from the fourth chapter of 1 Corinthians. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. And each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers. You may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, Why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless, and we labor working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child of the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you. Soon, 
if the Lord wills. And I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We continue our recitation of the Ten Commandments. What is the second commandment? You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic arts, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we just recited the second commandment about not abusing God's name. And I love how Luther wrote the explanation to all of his commandments, because every one is written the same way, if you notice them. They start off with a way that you don't, what, how you don't break this commandment. So it's always a negative. Don't curse, swear, don't use satanic arts, don't lie, don't deceive by his name. But then Luther always adds a positive to it, meaning how this commandment is to be kept in the lives of us Christians. But we are to call upon God's name in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. What I love about how Luther wrote this is that's actually how the commandments are written in the scriptures. They're actually written in almost a positive sense of how how the church is to live these commandments out in their lives. And for this one in particular with God's name, it's a very important one. This is this almost gets to the very basic of, of everything, of who our God is. Because God has revealed himself to us by his name, right? We know this in the Old Testament. He's gone by many different names. He identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He reveals himself in the Old Testament as I am. And Jesus himself referred to God as I am. God is revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Jesus. So we have many different names that we learn about God and identify who God is. But no name is greater than the one that truly embodies who he is, his essence. And that is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That fullness of God's name was not revealed until 2,000 years ago. When the Christ finally came. The Jews had waited so long for the coming of the Christ. Thousands of years. And then he finally came and revealed himself as Jesus, the Savior. And that name was put on you. Quite literally. When all of us were baptized. We were baptized by God's name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with water, three times. On our forehead and on our hearts, as as we say, to mark you as one redeemed by Christ, the crucified. So God's name is very precious, and it's been given to you. Not only placed on you, but you embody that name, all of us do. 
whether we are here in this church and worshiping the triune God, or even more importantly, the hour and a half we spent here or two hours every week versus the number of hours outside of this church. You still are a Christian. You still are someone baptized in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You carry that name everywhere you go, whether it's where you work or whether it's at your doctor's office or whether it's when you're in the post office or going through the grocery store. That is who you are. And as such, we are to conduct ourselves accordingly, right? Doesn't mean we always act as perfect Christians, but doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for perfection in Christ. And when we do fail at that, we have repentance and the forgiveness of our sins. And that leads us to our Old Testament story today where we read about Abigail meeting King David, and she speaks about her husband, Nabal. And this actually ties in with the the second commandment. Because as I said, all of us carry God's name in who we are as Christians out in this world. Well, the same thing went for the people of the Old Testament. They were Israelites, God's people, and they carried that name with them. And they could also slander God's name when they were out in the world. Just look at Nabal. Where we pick up in the story, Abigail is going out to meet David, and I believe 400 of his men. And they were marching to Nabal, and they were going to kill him, and kill all of his male children and male servants. And that's because just prior to this, some of David's men uh, were guarding Nabal's flocks, and they basically asked for a tax to be paid to them in food. May we have some bread and some meat? And Nabal refused, even though David's soldiers were caring for the thousands of Nabal's flocks. He was a very wealthy man. He refused. And in doing so, he slandered the name of God. Because he did not allow himself to be generous to his governing authorities and to obey his governing authorities. And through Nabal's disobedience, he blasphemed against the name of God who calls us to be obedient to our governing authorities in all things. Whether we like them or not, whether they're the right party or not, none of that matters. They've been put there in place, not by us but by God, according to the scriptures. And we all know this. The only time we are called to disobey our governing authorities is when they teach or try to tell us to act against God's word. And when they do that, we have, there is no choice. We are to disobey the governing authorities. But when the governing authorities are not disobeying God's word, are not forcing us to disobey God's word, we have no right to act against them. And that's exactly what Nabal did against David. So David was coming to basically enact judgment on them. Not only as the governing authority, but also as God's own ambassador in this world, as the coming king of Israel. 
And that's where we see Abigail stopping and interceding on behalf of her. Basically, he's described as a worthless husband who's back home feasting like a king and drunk as a skunk, right? That's how he's described. Real piece of work. Abigail is an amazing woman. She intercedes on behalf of her drunken, sinful husband so that he and the others are not slain. In many ways, she almost acts as a Christ figure, someone who intercedes on behalf of between God and sinful man and appeases God the Father so that judgment does not come. And that is exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in a far greater way than what Abigail did today. Never forget that he laid down his life for you. That's the name you carry around, the name of Jesus. And it is a privilege and an honor to live in this world as Christians. I know we're not always going to act in a Christian manner to others in this world. Sometimes we just react without thinking, and sometimes our sinful nature gets the best of it. But you always have the best of your sinful nature, because you have the Holy Spirit, triune God. And through that and through the working of the Holy Spirit, that that sinful nature can be tamped down every single day of our lives. And it should be. It must be. Martin Luther talked about that for us Christians in carrying God's name in this world. And he, he often said that before he gets out of, would get out of bed in the morning, before his mind even began to think of the many things he needed to do for the church and, and for Wittenberg itself, he would stop. In fact, before his feet even hit the floor. As his eyes opened, or before they even opened, when he realized he was awake, laying in bed, he would make the sign of the cross and say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and say the Luther's morning prayer to remind himself that he goes into this world as a baptized Christian. Not a perfect person, a baptized Christian. That's so much better. Because that means we are steeped always in forgiveness of our sins. And that we have the the pleasure, the honor of going forth into this world as Christians. To live in this world. To be the light of Christ in this world. Yes, sometimes we're weak in that. Sometimes we're strong. But in all things, God will see his pleasure done. And he does it through you. People whom he has placed his name upon. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.